0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Jay Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to be continuing our uh exploration of how to create a better world, actually, uh as you might might imagine. And the no number of ways and different of modalities, the different strategies are of course numerous. And one of the primary aspects of creating a better world is creating good food and doing so in some kind of local way, because that's what uh, yields the greatest quality of food, uh, cuts down on the cost of transportation and refrigeration, which means consumption of energy, and uh, there's nothing better than having access to the food from local farmers. Well, today's show explores through a film called Growing Cities and we'll be speaking with the uh with one of the filmmakers and the production manager. Uh a new movement, which is actually old but being revivified, is on urban farming, where people are actually taking stock of their own land and in some cases rooftops to make small farms and gardens and uh becoming really quite popular and uh, a couple of young men from Omaha, Nebraska decided they wanted to find out what was really going on across the country in this respect and hopped in a car and drove across. We'll be hearing from them in just moments uh, from uh, the uh, filmmaker and uh, his compatriot and uh, learning about what it is they discovered. It's a film called Growing Cities, which I love the name. It's such an interesting double entendre there. And uh, it will be featured at the upcoming Paradigm Shifts Film Festival in New York City. It's actually a film and music festival taking place beginning on March 19th, Thursday through Sunday, and then the following Thursday through Sunday as well. It's a really exciting uh, array of films and musical performances really combined. And in many of the cases, the uh, directors and filmmakers will be um, brought in by Skype especially, although some in person, to discuss the film with the audience. So, uh, first of all, I would like to just introduce you to uh, Dan Sussman, who is the director and producer. Dan's passion for city farming originated when he worked on an urban farm in Portland, Oregon, ever since he's been dreaming of how to bring it back to his community and, and to people across the country. That uh, led ultimately to the uh, production and the shooting of this film, we'll be talking about growing cities. And uh, his compatriot, one of a few, uh, who joined him on this trip of some 13,000 miles across the country, back and forth I should say, a little zigzagging, is co-producer and production manager uh, Brent Lubert. Brent has been a part of the Omaha film community, and through his work on short films, radio documentaries, and working at Omaha's non-profit independent cinema, Film Streams, Brent also farms with Big Muddy Urban Farm in Omaha. So I want to welcome you both to A Better World Radio. It's a pleasure to have you, and uh, I love what you're both doing to create and uh, contribute to a better world. You're right in line with what we do here on this radio show.
0: Oh, well, thanks, thanks a lot.
1: Thanks for uh, for having us. Yeah,
0: it's thanks for having
1: us. It's a pleasure. Sure, Absolutely. Uh, Dan, what is it that uh, had you, you know, just kind of decide, okay, now I'm going to hop in my car and I'm going to take my two friends and go across the country. Your other friend, by the way, I should have mentioned him also, uh, Andrew Monbouquet, or Bouquet, it is, French for sure.
2: Yeah, Monbouquet. But
1: with two T's. So. Monbouquet, is that correct? Yeah. So what is it that had you really decide to pick up and and go do it?
0: Yeah,
2: um so Andrew and Brent and I we'd all uh been kind of all across the country and came back to Omaha uh after college and you know really started to say to ourselves, you know, how can we make Omaha a better place to live and you know what are you know other cities doing uh in terms of farming and healthy foods and all of that and so we come back to Omaha, and we're all excited to, you know, make to make a better world, like you're saying on the radio show. Uh, but what right. we find is, you know, we see, you know, billboards that are saying, oh, Omaha is, you know, one of the saddest cities in the country. And we, you know, start kind of looking around, and we see that, you know, a lot of uh, problems that are dealing with health and, uh, you know, people's... Uh, well-being, you know, we have a lot of those problems here in Nebraska. And, you know, even though we're really thought of as a uh, farm state, you know, with corn and soybeans, you know, there's actually not a whole lot of folks throwing uh, those sort of, you know, actual things that we can eat, like fruits and vegetables. So, you know, we said, hey, what are people doing? You in other words, cities? what you're
1: really mm-hmm. looking at in um, Nebraska is um, uh, agribusiness. It's really industrial farming for export perhaps largely for uh processed foods uh or for uh in the case of uh well soy and corn perhaps feed chicken feed or even um cattle feed yeah yep. exactly
2: uh yeah and brent knows quite a bit about that being a, a farmer himself nowadays but uh it's, uh, you know, really, that's what kind of got us started on it. We're seeing where our community was at uh, and knowing where we wanted to to go, but also saying, hey, what can we learn from other communities? And that's how the road trip and sort of the film really started with saying, you know, how do we make our yes, community better you. and what can we learn?
1: Brent, how many people live in uh, in Omaha? Uh,
3: it's about half a million. Is that I, yeah about half a million in, in the metropolitan and omaha has a tremendous amount of sprawl like most cities do uh it's gone from like 108th was the furthest street to now it's like 209th street um and it keeps mm. growing and we keep annexing other municipalities around uh yeah, so, yeah. it
1: keeps subsuming more it's like a sprawl, yep. an urban sprawl, so to speak. Yeah, right. And yeah, tell us a little bit about what you're doing with um, your your farming activity. With um,
0: yeah,
1: muddy, muddy, muddy farms.
3: Yep, yep. Uh, with big muddy, and we name it after the nickname of the Missouri because we're right on the Missouri here. Um, yeah. So, so we started three years ago after the production of this film got together with some other folks here in the community who also were interested in starting an urban farm and we all got together and we had a collective organization and we ran seven of us uh, a small CSA with about 25 members in that CSA growing on five different lots of city land and now we've kind of, like you were saying before, transportation of food is just terrible and even on like a small scale on a small scale organic vegetable farm farm, transportation is hard too, you know like yeah. so always trying to cut out cut out transportation out of the picture, so now we've kind of centralized more in a neighborhood called Gifford Park, which is a wonderful neighborhood here in Omaha,
0: mm-hmm. and
3: uh just focused on growing produce for that neighborhood, sell at the market within that neighborhood and also provide education and workshops with that neighborhood and also broadly across the public, too.
1: That's wonderful. And, and are you able to grow year-round, or is it uh, seasonal, or what?
3: Thankfully, we do have a couple of months off, because uh, it, it is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Going go 20 weeks, uh, providing vegetables for uh, yeah. a, a lot of folks. Um but it's a one, it's wonderful work. Um, yeah, so so we do take the winter off and uh, kind of regroup and also kind of get away from the group a little bit too uh, and find. Yeah, what because
1: it's we very intensive, do. all of you working together. How many of you are there?
3: There, there was seven of us when we started. Three folks have since moved from the organization onto a farm in the rural side in uh, Hancock, Iowa. And they're doing wonderful things out there. And now we've incorporated uh, four more people into the organizations, organization, and we're kind of at varying levels of capacities on what we can do. Uh, but now there's eight of us. So.
1: Okay. And so all uh, eight of you are doing all of the farming, all the hands-on?
3: That's correct, yeah. And then we do have volunteer days throughout the week, so that helps get people involved, and if they have passion for this and they don't have an outlet, there's a little bit of an outlet through through Big Muddy.
1: Right, right, right. You know, uh, we're speaking with uh, two of the central people, two of the three people uh, who uh, made this film uh, Growing Cities about urban farming across the American landscape. And it's really an inspiring film, folks. I would definitely recommend that you see it. Uh, It will be at the Paradigm Shifts uh, Film Festival in New York City on 25th and Lexington at the Baruch Center for the Performing Arts. It'll be uh, shown on Sunday, March 29th at uh, 7 p.m. Sunday, March 29th. And another film that'll be shown with it actually is Brooklyn Farmer to continue the theme. And uh it will be uh preceded by some live music by the Whiskey Spitters. That's great. Mandolin, fiddle, banjo and uh that's great. It's a band from Brooklyn. It doesn't sound like Brooklyn, but it is from Brooklyn. It must be in honor of the Omaha gang, if that's what I think. Banjo Shoot out. You,
0: you bet. <laughs> yeah, you bet.
3: that sounds
1: great. This is what goes on in New York City, you know, it's hot stuff. Mm-hmm. Hot stuff. Well, your film has also been aired on PBS. Uh God damn that's a real feather in your cap to for what is, you know, among your first couple of uh, ventures to get that level of, of of excitement generated. Talk about that if you would a little bit. How did that happen?
2: yeah absolutely um so one of the um producers we were working with uh Dane Altman here in town he's a great uh great sort of omaha filmmaker. There's not a whole lot of us here in Omaha but uh mm-hmm. dana's uh grandfather was Robert Altman and you know everybody knows robert uh from yeah. all sorts of uh uh projects but uh anyhow yeah. so Dana had a couple connections with some folks in public television and Uh, basically just got the film in front of the right people and you know they liked it and they said hey let's let's do this uh the only problem was we you know with public television the way it works is you basically have to pay the cost um everything that's involved with getting it to the station so getting it to tape and getting it ready for satellite and all this it's it's actually pretty antiquated uh uh stuff uh it's like you know you're not sending them like a digital file which you know would be great because it would take 10 minutes you and uh, you would be done
1: when you say tape yeah. what do you you're scaring me what what do you mean what kind of tape you're actually
2: <laughs> yeah so
1: you're actually sending it to hd cam uh oh. tapes which oh.
2: they are actually sending around to the different public television stations uh oh, in the case that they miss the satellite uplink. so Long story short, uh, we're like, Oh yeah, we'll get it on PBS, this will be great and uh you yeah. know, a couple ten couple ten grands later you uh you figure out how to how it all works and uh <laughs> that on. said it's a it's it's been a a you know, really wonderful opportunity. We've gotten so many people to see the film that otherwise wouldn't have had had that chance. Um now it's been in about seventy five or eighty percent of uh stations across the country, so it's uh That's it's wonderful. pretty cool. I mean, especially as you said, like one of our first projects, um, to have that sort of recognition and you know, get that sort of exposure's been yeah. you know pretty incredible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But this is interesting because we have filmmakers who listen to the show and aspiring filmmakers and the like. So it's uh getting into this kind of detail it's actually really very, very instructive. I mean, you know, you guys uh, what, you're in your uh mid twenties at this point?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll stay yep. in Yeah. <laughs>
1: Something yeah, around there. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Which is fabulous because film, I mean, I I host and produce another weekly radio program which is completely dedicated to progressive documentaries and films. So I I very much support um the young indie uh filmmaking industry and uh young people, all people Uh, getting involved Mm -hmm. in production because it's such a powerful medium for reaching the Mm -hmm. hearts and minds, and in some cases, souls of people. So uh, I really, really um, am behind what you're doing, and when the content is as rich and uh, instructive as yours, all the more reason. But it's good for filmmakers, young aspiring ones, to really know what's in front of them, because the world isn't exactly as it appears. So, yes, oh, yeah. which you, you know, <laughs> right. have been around for quite a while, you would think that maybe they were up to date, but it sounds like in some ways uh they're lagging behind technically and you have to yeah, put the bill.
2: Adapting.
1: Adapting, yes. Uh, adapting <laughs> but, uh, indeed. <laughs> All right. So let's <laughs> turn back to let, let's just let everybody know you are listening to uh a Better World Radio. We're on every Wednesday at six PM for those of you who listen regularly. And, you know, these days with online radio, you can listen anytime. And we do know that almost all of you, most of you certainly, listen uh, by podcast at your own leisure, sort of like TiVo for radio. It's great. You pick it up in archive and uh, you also have the link so you can send it around. And I really appreciate when you do that because that just means more people, more ears, and uh, more... Brains are contemplating the information that we share with you here on A Better World's airwaves every week. And uh, for those of you who do not yet get the newsletter, A Better World newsletter, it's available at our website, A Better TV. That's A betterworld TV. Uh, it's, it's free. It's open. It's available, and it tells you about our weekly community television uh, show here in Manhattan. In the Big Apple, as well as as well as our two radio shows every week, and uh, Tuesday three o'clock Progressive Film Hour with Mitchell Rabin and A Better World Radio. Now this we're uh, we're actually making this on Monday afternoon. We're pre-recording it, but we made it public, so we have listeners. You know, they get a double a double listen, which is great because we want to let people know about your film and about the paradigm shifts film festival at the same time so dan when you think about uh what you experienced um crossing the country what is it that hit you most in experiencing the different urban farming uh venues
2: yeah um you know i think you know i think it was different for each of us but for me i think you know we kind of I had an idea of okay, this is what an urban farmer. This is kind of what a sustainable farmer looks like. This is why they're doing it, um, and that was really shattered in in a lot of ways. Just kind of going to so many different uh, farms and cities and you know different places. I mean, we found you know people young, old, you know black, white, whatever you want to say, polka dot uh, <laughs> colored rich for you know, uh, yes, you know people are 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 growing food for so many different reasons you know whether it's you know trying to teach their kids about it or just you know make ends meet or uh you know grow food for the community you know there's so many different reasons people are doing it and you know they're coming from a lot of different backgrounds and from a lot of different types of experiences so i think you know, really just kind of getting rid of this idea that oh you know it's just for a bunch of you know well-off people or hippies or something like that you know that's That's not what the movement is about. So I think you know, just kind of shattering
1: that whole whole mindset was
2: you know really really uh, interesting for me.
1: So that's interesting for me to hear because that means you approached it with a certain kind of underlying assumption that it was mainly either hippies or it was uh, well-to-do people. When when you say well-to-do, you mean that they were sort of doing it on behalf of people who are not so well-to-do, sort of as a charitable act? service.
2: Yeah, people with you know privilege for whatever reason that is, whether it's privilege for money, privilege from where how you grew up, where you came from. Yeah. Yeah, I kinda I yeah. did have that assumption. And they want to give was, they want
1: to give something back.
2: hmm Exactly. That's um doing, right. when I think in fact, you know, you have a lot of communities where it's it's coming from the community itself. They're saying, Hey, you know, our kids aren't eating well or we're not eating well and, you know, we want to make sure we have access to foods that not only are healthy, but also, you know, culturally appropriate. So things like, you know, we're not going to just, if our family, I grew up, I never had kale, you know, I'm not going to go buy it at the farmer's market. I'm not going to buy kohlrabi at the farmer's market because I've never seen it before. Uh, so yep. I think, uh, you know, kind of seeing that side of things, seeing, well, you know, this isn't a movement for, you know, one type of people. This is a movement for, you know, folks from all different backgrounds, from all different places. I mean, due to do but I think when you see it, you know it really does, you know, hit home.
1: Yeah. Well, you're reminding right. me of uh, a piece of the film, a uh, segment uh, that took place in Detroit, as I recall, and uh, it's you're speaking with a uh, a black fellow. You're interviewing him, who makes a comment that is, you know, kind of touching upon some of these points that. He said you know there you know white black and polka dot here too um but we he made reference to this idea and I thought it was kind of uh bold for you to put this in the film that this is kind of um an afro-american community and we sort of want to do things our way and they the uh the white folks the people of privilege don't realize that uh, they are helping to sustain a white supremacist system. That was a very strong kind of comment that was also very interesting with various germs of truth. Uh, You want to, Brent, do you want to just comment on that first?
3: Yeah, so what he's referencing to, and that that was Malik Yakimi, and yeah, just a lot of things that he was speaking about, the truth was just like the germs of the truth were there, uh, but he was speaking about how uh, a lot of white organizations or charitable organizations that are populated with white people come into African American Black communities and uh, kind of like tells them how to do it when it 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 can it needs to rise from the community itself, like Dan was saying, and it can. Yeah and it and that's how it should be uh so it, it's also when when someone's telling you how to do it from a different culture there's this concept of beauty and what what is right and all of that that isn't translated uh quite accurately so it, when when someone comes to you and tells you how to do it it's uh it's not as sustainable and not as beneficial for the people involved.
1: Yes, I understand. It's uh, Well, it raises a whole other series of questions uh, that are mm-hmm. more uh, kind of uh, psychodynamic in nature regarding mm-hmm. uh, race relations, control, political issues, social ones, etc. Do
0: mm-hmm. you, you want mm-hmm. to weigh theory, in on that and... a
1: little bit?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think especially when you talk about cities like Detroit and, uh, you know, along the Rust Belt, places like Cleveland and Youngstown. and uh, I mean, and that's the other thing. It's not just those cities. It's cities, every single city in the whole country. You know, we have a history of some sort of, you know race relations or issues you know going back uh even not so long yes. ago, and even today, as we're talking about things like Ferguson and all that, so
1: very much so. um
2: I think those types i mean those issues are it's part of food, food I think in a lot of ways, like people say it's you know something we do, we eat every single day, three times a day, so whoever controls the food and what kind of food and the quality of the food really has a lot of power. And I think in a lot of ways the food can become a proxy for power and a proxy for wealth and money and um, all of that because I think as we've kind of done more studies and people have figured out, well, actually, what kids eat, really it determines, you know, their health. It determines their outcomes in school. It determines what kind of jobs they get. So I think in a lot of ways people are starting to make those connections. And when you make those types of connections, you realize – well, hey, what we're feeding our kids really is determining their future. So I think, um, you know, it becomes a lot more important than just, well, you know, we're just going to give them some Pop-Tarts today because that's what we have or that's what we can afford, you know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. It's a very, very good point that you're making here. I'm reminded of uh, the gentleman who's largely credited with the modern-day banking system, uh, Rothschild, who was said to have said back in uh, around the 18th century uh, if you, um, I don't care who runs the country, if you give me the opportunity to control the currency I will be able to control the country. Now that's a little bit of a um, a paraphrase But the idea Mm -hmm. is that he who controls the currency controls the nation, and that, of Mm -hmm. course, includes the government. But, you know, I don't think he actually had it altogether right. I think it's way closer to saying accurately he or she, they who, and it should really be we who, control the food and water supply will be the ones uh, jurisdiction in the nation. That's really mm. more accurate, because you're not going to eat money. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. you cannot chew on gold. Mm-hmm. It's not going to do much good. But you will be able to chew on broccoli, and you are going to be mm-hmm. able to drink water from the big money, I hope, and elsewhere. <laughs> so, yeah, I just wanted to bring Definitely. that thought to bear, yeah, which be you, great. in a sense, were kind of a uh, bringing forward, eliciting in some way from your point. I thought it was really interesting. I I mean, honestly, I'll just say that uh, regarding uh, the uh, segment on um, Detroit, I think it's really very interesting, and it's sort of a microcosm of stories I've heard of uh, charitable organizations, largely from the United States and to some extent Europe, showing up in countries like Africa, uh, where, you know, the headset is that we know how to go about things here agriculturally, economically, socially, and uh, we're going to impart this upon thou. And uh, best if you listen, and then you'll get the most out of it. And it's really got an inherent sense of arrogance to it. And uh, there are more and more organizations that have gotten that message. And instead of coming with their own agenda, they're coming with a question How can we possibly be of service to you? Uh, we have more of this and that, and you have more of that and this. How can we collaborate? Yeah. You know, it's a very different headset, mm-hmm. very different way of thinking.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right?
1: I think in the and I, you know, don't get this
2: wrong. I think you know, and actually in the film itself too, like you know, as people will see, it's it's actually a very positive film, right? You know, in the end, it's like we're oh, we're yeah. kind of showcasing all of these you know different uh, organizations and different people doing you know really positive things for their communities. And you know, I think something I didn't touch on at the beginning is that you know it was a big reason why we kind of embarked on the project is we saw that. So many stories about the food system and our country, you know, back in 2010, all we were hearing about is, you know, mad cows, and you have corn, which has turned into ethanol, and that's not good, and you have, you know, so now pink slime, like so on and so forth. Uh, And, you know, so we really wanted to tell some positive stories about the food system and say, hey, here's what's going well, and here are the people who are doing it, and, hey, you know, you aren't that different from this person, and you can do it, too. So I think, that's right. um, you know, that was a big, you know, part of, you know, why we did this. And, you know, I think when you see the film, they'll, you know, be able to see that as well and hopefully get inspired, especially with spring coming and Earth Day and all that. So, uh,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think that's really overwhelmingly the energy and dynamic of the film, Growing Cities, we're talking about right now, and uh, I love the name, as I remarked at the beginning, Growing Cities. It's so clever. It's so clever, and uh, Mm. it's really uh, the whole idea of urban farming and people taking responsibility for their food sources, and uh, I loved also at the beginning, when that guy at the beginning said, when I first heard the name, the phrase, food security, I thought about food being surrounded by tanks. I thought that was so funny, because I, too, I they, what are they talking about? I mean, I've since kind of matured my initial view, but it really is a funny thought, but it's also a very important concept. Your comments? Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Right? But you really outline, I feel, that one of the accomplishments of the film is that It really is near at hand. It really is something anybody can do pretty much from anywhere. And in New York City, uh, I mean, people could really be going the step of growing things in their uh, windowsills or other places, as well as if they get permission on their roof. I mean, honestly, the film, not that I haven't heard of rooftop gardening, of course I have, but the way you did the film, and it had such a pleasant uplifting character that I thought, you know, I think I'm going to go to the management around here and have a word with them and see if uh,
0: <laughs>
1: if they'll give access. Uh, there are probably legal reasons, you know, liability, blah, 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 that they oh. may hesitate. But um, I'm going to see what it would take to uh, to overcome that obstacle. Oh,
0: that's and I think a lot it. of
1: people <laughs> who see your film maybe start thinking the same way because uh, I don't know if you know the work of David Corton uh who's written a number of books, what one of them is called uh, Agenda for a New Economy which is the whole premise of local growing and supporting local uh CSAs, local farmers and uh taking control of the food supply and uh which is so much of what you are all doing in this film in a real light hearted manner traveling around, talking. One of the things I loved was uh, not, of course, Brooklyn, uh, but what you brought forward in uh, Louisiana. That was very powerful, mm. engaging the kids and all of that. Mm-hmm. Comments?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and Brent, feel free to jump in. Uh, but, you know, down in New Orleans with our school, at Blair Grocery, I mean, just a brief about that. Basically, they started – Pretty soon after Hurricane Katrina, um, you know, we visited in the summer of 2011, which is about seven years after Katrina happened, and, you know, still you go down to the Lower Ninth Ward, which is one of the more places that was hit hardest, um, and it, it it still looks like it was hit, like, just a few months ago or a few weeks ago. You know, you have,
1: you, you know, it's point, completely you know.
2: abandoned, you know, the, the grass <laughs> is as tall as you are. um and it just has left a lot of people you know who just don't have the means to move or can't you know don't have the uh uh wherewithal or whatever it might be uh just kind of yeah. abandoned there and so you have a lot of kids um who kind of were just getting into trouble joining gangs you know um a lot of the kids we met down there you know carrying guns around yeah. since they were eight nine ten years old um So I think, you know, so what the program does, our school, uh, a teacher actually from New York, uh, he had been going down there for years with private schools, kind of helping uh, with the relief effort in Katrina and, you know, said, hey, you know, this isn't really helping. I need to do more than this. And I said, hey, I'm just going to move down here. I'm going to start a school and uh, we're going to teach, you know, the traditional type of subjects, but we're also going to do a lot of hands-on work. So we're going to grow food um and use that as a tool to to learn other things so you know they they grow the food they sell it so they learn you know from selling it they're learning marketing skills and math and you know all this type of stuff um and you know I think a lot of people you hear about these programs working with youth and so on and you know they can sound really good but then when you actually go you know you don't actually see that sort of impact whereas this is the kind of place where You know, they they have a blog. I don't even know when the last time it was updated. Uh, But in in terms of the actual impact they're having, you know, the conversations we had with some of these kids, just incredible. You know, going from literally guns, carrying guns around, being, you know, gang, you know, bangers or whatever you want to say. And and now they're farming. And they're like, oh, my God, like, I love this. You know, it really changed my life. Uh, You know, I think it's pretty incredible to see that sort of impact and also mm-hmm. just see how these kids are growing up. Like I can't even, you know, begin to relate to that sort of um, yeah. childhood, but you know, to to see where, you know, growing food is getting them. It's, you know, I think pretty, pretty incredible.
3: And, and to see the, the mentality of like, I know what I want to eat now. I know what's good. I know how to get that is really wonderful also
1: to see. Exactly. And just what it's doing nutritionally slash biologically for them. Uh going from, you know, potato chips and uh what, you know, Cheese Its or whatever to um mm-hmm. vegetables is just in mm-hmm. terms of uh clarity of mind lifting the brain fog and all of that mm-hmm. and just what it feels like to be alive. I, it's just it's a radical shift. Radical shift mm-hmm. in
0: Functionality, you
1: know. So, no, you're both making really wonderful points, and I really appreciate them. I think the audience does too, because uh, food can be used, and uh, urban farming uh, is such a wonderful uh, leverage for change and for Mm -hmm. building community. So, we can really go from, you know, uh, I mean, the outrage is that we have a society that allows such things as gun toting. Children. I, I mean, it's like you know, if you were going to design a world that is completely dysfunctional, your mind might not even alight on that idea. It's so foreign to anything good and positive. You know, children carrying, you know, eight-year-olds carrying guns. You know, that it's sort of like, your what is your definition of hell? <laughs> you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of it. And what's interesting is that uh these sorts of initiatives that, that uh New York City uh teacher has begun and so many others across the country, some of which you really uh interview and speak with um are just on a trajectory of evolutionary status that is really pulling us out of that programmed headset. We don't know even how we got there. Well we could we could speculate on it. <laughs> But the most important thing is that we're leaving it behind and we're going toward uh something way more robust and positive. And uh Listen, I yeah. wanna thank you both and your other uh partner, um, Anthony, for the good work that uh you've done here. Oh Andrew and uh, yeah, Andrew, yeah. I'm sorry. Um oh, no uh, and uh thank you all three of you and all of your staff and team for doing what you've done making the effort to bring this to a light and um it's really good i think it's great and i'm going to keep uh, letting people know about
0: yeah. it yeah so well thank you so yeah. much
1: for,
2: for having today. us on the show and bringing more attention to uh you know these issues and the film festival and all of that because uh out, folks like you promoting these things, you know, we just make a film and
1: uh, nobody sees it. So, yeah, nobody that's sees it. right,
2: exactly. Your, uh, All people well. will be
1: seeing it now. We've got, we've yeah. actually got an international audience, um, and awesome. uh, so it will be seen, it will be known far and wide. Wonderful. So, good. Thanks again cool. for being on. With yeah, me thank today. you, Mitchell. And uh, we'll talk another time.
2: All right. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Sure. Bye-bye now. Thank you.
1: Bye. Sure. Bye-bye. We're Just speaking with the filmmaker and production manager of Growing Cities, what an inspiring film. We're just speaking with uh, director and producer Dan Sussman and his buddy and associate Brent Lubbert. Uh, who uh, was the co-producer and production manager, they, with their other friend, um, Andrew Monbouquet, traveled across the country and with their camera and meeting up with uh, what we could best call urban farmers. And all stripes, all colors, all ages, all backgrounds, it's just phenomenal those of you who listen regularly to A Better World or Progressive Film Hour may remember when I covered uh, Urban Roots, uh, which was specifically about Detroit and the incredible initiatives that were taking place there some years back where people who were either just simply impoverished or living in what are called food deserts in the middle of cities where the the only place they can go to shop is 7 Seven Eleven, if you can imagine unless they travel straight across town at no small expense sometimes um, in, uh, through dangerous areas and we're just not aware of what some people have to go through in order simply to get a little fresh food and um, it's not so easy So this entire uh, foray into uh, growing one's own and taking over public parks and even plots of land. One of the points that was made in this film is uh, taking a good look at um, lawns across America. Just lawns alone. Can you imagine if they were instead turned into uh, voluptuous, prospering gardens? you know, with vegetables, high and low, and if we were to bring the wisdom of permaculture into the set, and uh, some of you may remember an interview I did with a gentleman named Michael Judd, one of the uh, national leaders in permaculture. Um, He's worked all over different parts of South America and South Central America helping to stem uh, food poverty, and turn it around. Uh, If you bring that in, if you bring in intensive farming, we had Peter Doig on a couple of months back uh, speaking about, that was on Progressive Film Hour, speaking about uh, greenhouses, natural new types of greenhouses, which we actually have on our website, the greenhouse of the future, which allows people to be growing in even the northern climes. Uh, in a really inexpensive, very eco-friendly way, um, using resources at hand. Uh, we had the gentleman who designed that greenhouse on as well. We've got that on as a permanent part of our uh, website, at a abetterworld.tv. So there is an enormous, actually, global initiative around this, and it's only going to become more popular. The entire greening of America is occurring and not just America everywhere. And as uh, Paul Hawken, the uh, author of The Ecology of Commerce going back a number of years and more recently, Blessed Unrest, speaks about the largest movement in history and the next superpower that is here. It's not a nation. It's actually a community. It's the community of people who are engaged in any number of different initiatives to create equity, common public equity. In the commons, they're called. The common spaces where people gather. And it's not to own but it's to cooperate. And you can own. There's nothing wrong with owning. But it's not a me against you. But it's a you and me together or a we. It is us. We the people. That's the game here. And all can prosper. You know it's a different, different paradigm. And it's the paradigm that we know in our hearts. It's just giving space to it, giving place to it, and concretizing it in the world. It should be very clear to everyone who listens to this broadcast that that is the direction in which we are going. Oh, the obstacles are many. It is very apparent they are everywhere and forces seeking to stem the tide but the tie is way too strong to be stemmed. Uh, Ask anyone who's witnessed a tsunami. So I want to just bring your attention to this film, in particular this moment. uh, Growing Cities will be featured Sunday night, March 29th at 7 p.m. at the Encompass New Opera Theater's Paradigm Shifts. And that is a really wonderful film and musical, essentially a multicultural uh, festival that's taking place here in New York City, the Big Apple at 55 Lexington Avenue, which is 25th Street and Lexington. And you can uh, get information and even get early bird uh, discounted tickets at a TV, or there's also at Ovation Ticks, I mean. I'll give you a phone number, 866 811 4111. That's 866 811 4111. The films are really phenomenal. Older than America. Last week, if you recall, uh, I interviewed the uh, director of that and one of the actresses in it, Georgina Lightning, along with Nancy Rhodes, who is the president of the Encompass New Opera Theater and uh, co-producer of Paradigm Shifts Festival. Wonderful woman who will be on again next week to really lay out the more encompassing view of what Encompass New Opera Theater is about. It's really a very large and broad vision of which paradigm shifts is a is a part and it's a very robust part I'll say that but they have a relationship they were selected by BAM to participate in a few different artistic events and they are really a wonderful dynamic organization and Nancy Rhodes who's really the the mode uh, the the modus operandi behind it um the main m- mover Uh, will be really sitting down with us and speaking about it in some depth. Uh, And in the film that we discussed last week, Older Than America, uh, Native American Music and Ceremony will be preceding the showing of that film, and that will be Saturday, March 28th at 7 p.m. And that film is actually starring uh, Adam Beach Bradley Cooper, and Georgina Lightning. So it's really well done. We also will be showing at the film festival Taking Root, the vision of Wangari Maathai, Nobel Prize Laureate, who uh, is no longer with us in body, but her spirit lives on strongly and powerfully. And uh, I interviewed Lisa Merton and Alan Dater some months back on Progressive Film Hour. So you should certainly uh, be around for that and it doesn't stop there. Occupy the Farm is starting the entire uh, film event on March 20th and Todd Darling was a guest of ours on Progressive Film Hour as well. So wherever you look, this is a very rich film and music festival and it's starting on Thursday, March 19th at 7 p.m. It's opening night with a uh, live music jazz quintet with David Schnitter who was used to play with Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers for those of you who remember them, I mean we're talking about hot stuff here with vocalist Marty Maben, so that same opening evening there will be a couple of uh, trailers and a short plus a reception with some food and drinks, so you're all welcome to join us again for information about this you can go to a betterworld.tv and click. It's right on the home page. It's right there. And uh, click through to the early discounted tickets as well as the entire calendar. So you can pick and choose what you want. And there's also a place for children. Um, especially in the matinees. There's some fun things going on for them as well. So performances alike. So as you see creating a better world is a full-time job, folks. It sure is. and You know, just listening, you are part of it. Just listening and forwarding this to your friends and family and even uh, your bosses, you know. This is a group enterprise. And uh, you're part of it as much as I am. We're all in this together, as I so like quoting Reverend Jesse Jackson that we all took different boats here, but we're all the same boat now. And as uh, Sarah Palin, who could see Russia from her doorstep, said, you betcha. So if you get Republican and Democrat together like that, <laughs> you know that we're all in the same boat now. So on that note, I also want to invite you and let you know of uh, some very special events happening this week and next in New York City for those of you who are more local or tri-state. Um, tonight is Heaven on Earth, the uh, workshop that I teach down at TRS at 40 Exchange Place. At this time, it's on Monday night at 6 to 8 p.m. And uh, we do uh, some mindfulness meditation kung and explore some of the domains of spirituality, consciousness, neuroscience as it relates to creating a better world. It's a chance for us to become more in touch with ourselves on the level of soul and our own sense of self-respect, self-worth, self-love to take this energy, this God-given gift and bring it into the world in creative, productive ways to contribute our way to a better world. And uh, tomorrow we'll be uh, on a progressive film hour. I'll be speaking with some wonderful people, the filmmaker of uh, Life Imitates Birth, Monica Matos, the screenwriter of another film called The Gift of the Unborn Children, Laura Uplinger, a midwife doula, Carla Machado from Brazil, as is Laura. They'll be coming up to New York City and uh for a couple of days and Dr. Francois Amigues, osteopath from the Ideal Community in Jaffrey, British Columbia, a wonderful community that I have been a family member of, a brother in for many, many years at this point, having been very close to its leader uh, Natasha Kolsar, and uh, she's not with us in body, but oh, is she with us in spirit and we will be uh, doing an event at One Spirit A Better World and One Spirit Learning Alliance are collaborating for a March 11th event at their beautiful space at 247 West 36th Street in New York City on the sixth floor. It's free. I'm in a little love offering. Um, And uh, we would love to have you. As we gather, we'll show uh, some clips of the films that I just spoke about that we'll be doing the radio show about tomorrow afternoon at 3 and uh, from 7 to 9.30, followed by a robust, general, open group discussion that I'll be moderating. So I hope you can make it if you hear this and if you don't live in New York, because we do have people listening from all over the country and beyond, international. With our internet, you can um, take tomorrow's uh, show and you can forward it, or you can take this show and forward it uh, and or just my website, a abetterworld.tv and all the information is there to attend. We're doing the same thing. Uh, through the U.N. in honor of women on Thursday and the U.N. this whole week in honor of women. And of course, International Women's Day was just yesterday. And uh, we'll be doing uh, a talk and a film clip at the Church Center of the United Nations. And while we want everybody, parents to be, parents that are women who want to conceive uh, even without a partner, uh, or doulas, midwives, OBGYNs, you name it. We would love to invite anyone who sees the power of what we refer to as conscious conception and the importance of the first nine months of life and how um, an infant emerges from the womb as vitally important to the development of personality and character as time goes on. And if we want to talk about creating a better world, folks, it all starts here. This is a real point of departure to discuss. Next week, March 16th, Monday, again at One Spirit. I'm giving you a series of events. Uh, I will be Facilitating along with my associate Robert Levine an event called Conscious Conversations, which is a collaboration between FIONS the Friends of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, and One Spirit Seminary again. So you see there's a lot of wonderful collaboration taking place here among a number of different wholly related groups and communities. And we're kicking off the first one on the subject of the environment and economic justice. I'll be showing a short uh, PowerPoint to engage us in the conversation and from there we'll again have and I'll facilitate uh, a group discussion uh, along with Robert with everyone present a discussion about our environment who are we relative to it, what are we doing about the current state of affairs and economic justice, how important is that in creating a better world, how important is that to our forward evolution well, it should be kind of obvious but we're going to bandy about different creative ideas toward actually moving into action. So uh, that's a nice start. The rest is on the website. And also, please note, a better world has just become a 501c3. Well, we've actually just received the nonprofit status, and now we're moving toward the uh, full 501c3 status. So please note, you are most welcome to make donations and enjoy a tax deduction for it at this point. Officially as of um, February 23rd or 24th, any donations received can get then a uh, receipt, well actually it's usually through PayPal, proof and that becomes a tax deductible donation. So we appreciate the small, the medium, and large, if you are connected to foundations or wealthy, generous, thoughtful, life-loving, life-affirming people who recognize what we're doing here at A Better World, who would love to engage in dialogue about making some more sizable donations because we are in need of more video equipment and to step up our operation. That would be so so appreciated idea how much we would appreciate as well as to pay our intern staff with stipends etc. So I want to just thank you all and uh, say that it's so appreciated your attention. You have many things you could be listening to and you've chosen us and it is uh, largely largely appreciated by me and all of us who contribute. To a better world. This is Mitchell J. Rabin. Visit us on our website at abetterworld.tv. Join our mailing list; it's all for free. And look forward to seeing you all next.